Some commentators are saying that he literally could change the way Christianity is defined. He's a pastor, Rob Bell, and the media have really scrutinized his new book called Love Wins. It claims that what Orthodox historic Christianity has always taught about hell is wrong. Today, we'll take a look at Rob Bell's views. Welcome to Evidence and Answers with Pat Zucharin. I'm Kevin Harris, and today I'm in studio with Dr. Zucharin on this important topic that's really got the country in an uproar, and uh, evangelical Christianity in particular. Dr. Zucharin is an author, scholar, and speaker with Probe Ministries. And Pat, you've been following this controversy for some time. Rob Bell and hell. Yeah, Kevin, you know, when you first brought up the subject of Rob Bell and his new book, Love Wins... I just thought it was another repeat message of what liberal Christianity has always been preaching. But then the more I studied this subject, the more I ran into people who were reading his material and the impact he was having not only on the church, but on the culture as well. I realized we really need to investigate and do a show and a critique on his work. You know, Rob Bell in 2011 was recognized as a member of the 2011 Time 100 list. The Time 100 list is an annual list of the 100 most influential people in the world as assembled by Time magazine. And he appeared on there as a major influencer of the Christian church. Uh, Bell is a pastor of Mars Hill Church in Granville, Michigan, which has a membership of eight to 11,000. And he's written a few bestsellers and Love Wins has been his most recent one. And so it's a Uh, He's been quite an influential leader, and we need to critique his work, especially as he challenges some of the biblical doctrines. And he has a very popular video series that is out there that's very well done. Uh, Lots of cutting-edge technology that uh, this particular church has the capability of doing. Lots of uh, middle class and high-tech and young people are attracted to his message. And so he's got some of the leading edge and very creative kind of communication technology that is out there that's giving him a very big audience. So it's eight to 11,000 attendance, but if you include what's going on on the internet and through his videos, it's much, much wider. Yeah, you know, he's kind of a hip guy, very down-to-earth, very contemporary, and you can see why young people are drawn to him as well. Has he been controversial as a pastor prior to this book on hell? Yes, he has been, and Uh, He's been controversial, but he has kind of stayed right on the edge there. He hasn't really gone into what we would consider any kind of heresy or false teaching. Unfortunately, with this book, it's pretty hard to defend his position here. He seems to have gone into what would be a heretical or, or false position regarding the gospel and the other major theological doctrines that are changed as a result of him changing the message of the gospel. And he's been part of, you know, the emergent church movement. It's been a movement that has arisen in the 90s. It's very attractive to a lot of young people. Uh, The emergent church movement arose pretty much as a reaction to the modern church. And, you know, they run a pretty wide spectrum when you talk about the emergent church. There are groups in this group that question the methods of the traditional church. You know, why do we sing hymns? Why do we sit in pews? Why are we focused on getting a big congregation? You know, and so they want to do non-traditional styles of worship, and, and that's fine. But then there is 
another segment that not only questions the methods of the traditional church, but also the doctrines of, quote, classical or traditional Christianity, which they challenge. And that part of the emergent church movement most of us would have a problem with because they're challenging some of the major biblical doctrines that are out there and changing the Christian message. Pat, you've talked a lot about the emergent church. For people who would like to know more about what that's all about, do you have information at uh, evidenceandanswers.org? Right. We've done a few shows on this, and you can go to evidenceandanswers.org and listen to those interviews there. And there is a critique of Rob Bell's new book, Love Wins, a 14-page critique there on evidenceandanswers.org. Okay, so that is some background on the emergent church. The bottom line, Pat, seems to be that Rob Bell is teaching what is commonly known as universalism, the view that all will eventually be saved. And in fact, there are some forms of universalism that teach that even the devil and the demons will eventually come to Christ and be saved. And there are variations of it, but is that basically what Rob Bell is teaching, a a form of universalism? Yes, you know, Kevin, Rob Bell is saying that the message that traditional or classical Christianity has presented, that only those who know Jesus Christ will have eternal life, and those who reject Christ or do not know Christ will spend eternity in hell, he says it's a false and a dangerous and toxic message. In his preface, he writes this, quote, A staggering number of people have been taught that a select few Christians will spend forever in a peaceful, joyous place called heaven, while the rest of humanity spends forever in torment and punishment in hell with no chance for anything better. It's been clearly communicated to many that this belief is a central truth of the Christian faith and to reject it is in essence to reject Jesus. This is misguided, toxic, and ultimately subverts the contagious spread of Jesus' message of love, peace, forgiveness, and joy that our world desperately needs to hear. And so, Bell has been saying that that message, that salvation comes through Christ alone, and without Christ, you're destined to spend eternity away from God in a place called hell. He calls that a dangerous, false, and a toxic kind of message. And so, Bell argues that You know, God loves everyone. God is love. However, if the majority of the people never come to faith in Christ and spend eternity in hell, then God fails to accomplish his will and love fails. And since this is not an acceptable conclusion, the only logical conclusion we're left with, according to Bell, is that in the end, eventually all will receive his love and eventually enter into heaven. And that's the main thesis of the book here. Well, you know, Pat, Christianity Today was not complimentary on this book at all. It said it was a bridge too far, that it sabotaged itself. And, and also, it's kind of hard to pin him down on interviews and things that I've read about Rob Bell. He denies being a universalist, but I don't know what else you're going to call him. Right. Rob Bell teaches that Jesus is the only way to eternal life. John fourteen six. he would acknowledge that. But the problem is this. He says that those who reject Christ in this life will enter into hell. Now, heaven and hell are the same place, and God's love will continue to work on those people who are in hell. And eventually, because 1 Corinthians 13 says love never fails, eventually those who have rejected Christ as the love of God works upon their hearts, they will eventually 
turn to Christ and receive him, and what was once hell now becomes heaven. And we'll get into uh, his teachings on the doctrines of heaven and hell later. But essentially, that's what he's saying, that everyone's going to respond to the love of God, and everyone's going to respond to Christ eventually. And so salvation does come through Christ alone, and everyone, but everyone will eventually receive the love of Christ, whether in this lifetime or in the next. You know, Pat, to some people, that probably sounds pretty good on the surface, but why should Christians be concerned with what Rob Bell is teaching? Well, when you change the message of the gospel, there's a domino effect that goes on as well. And if, when you read Rob Bell's work, you see that not only does he change the message of the gospel, he also changes the character of God, changes our understanding of sin and its consequences, He changes also the doctrine of eternity and heaven and hell. So there are several major doctrines that are altered as a result of changing the gospel message. And one of the things that concerns us is that Bell is a major leader of this emergent church movement, and many evangelicals have embraced his ideas, and many Catholics and nominal Christians and people in the culture have embraced this idea. Now, if you've got a false gospel, which Paul warns about in Galatians 1, he says, if I or an angel should preach to you another gospel, okay, so on the gospel we can have no compromise. A false gospel cannot save, and a gospel of universalism is presenting a false gospel and a false hope. And on this, we cannot compromise. Well, Pat, I can think of a lot of reasons why people would be attracted to this interpretation that hell would eventually be emptied and that everyone would eventually come to Christ. But uh, what are some other reasons? Why do you think this has caught on and people have been so attracted to it? Well, you know, in our culture, we've embraced the new tolerance. Classical tolerance or the dictionary definition of tolerance is that because we disagree, we practice tolerance. We'll treat each other civilly, but... I don't agree with your views, you don't agree with mine, and I'll do all I can to persuade you to my position because I think you are wrong, but I'm going to treat you civilly. Now, the new tolerance says all views are equally valid and true, and it's wrong to suppose one view is right and another is wrong. So all views are equally valid and true, and to say that one view or one belief system or one lifestyle is wrong is to be, quote, intolerant. So our culture has bought in to this new and dangerous idea of tolerance. And this message is more attractive to the culture that has bought in to that new tolerance idea. And so it's more attractive to them to say that, well, you know, Christians, we don't have the corner on salvation and the truth about God and the gospel message. And we're willing to open the door to other faiths and other belief systems to be equally valid and true and can lead to eternal life. So it's a more palatable message to the culture. Unfortunately, you compromise the truth of God's Word in trying to be more palatable to the culture. Yeah, and I'm sure that a lot of it is just that some people cannot swallow the idea of hell at all, or at least what they think hell is. They have this vision of of God cramming his creations into a torture chamber and saying, turn up the heat. And a lot of that is just poor theology, not careful attention to what the scripture teaches 
and some things like that. And so if a guy comes along and says all of that that you find so intolerable is false, I'm sure that's going to attract some attention. Yeah, and unfortunately, Kevin, you know, as Jesus said, you know, truth will set you free. And so truth will either set one free or truth will offend. You know, and Jesus Christ, being the most loving persons ever set foot upon the earth, proclaimed truth. And what happened to him? Well, for many, truth set them free. But for many, truth was an offense and it put them on the cross. So unfortunately, you know, a lot of the teachings of Christ are tough and can be offensive to our culture that has embraced some false ideas. And so our message, though we express it in love and we articulate it in the most compassionate and persuasive way possible, unfortunately can often be offensive to the culture. In changing the gospel message and saying that everyone will eventually enter into heaven, Bell ends up changing other major doctrines as well, and one of them is the doctrine of heaven and hell. Now, in Bell's theology, heaven and hell are the same place. When everyone dies, they go to the same place. Now, for those who have accepted Christ, that place is heaven. But for those who have rejected Christ or haven't received him yet, that place is hell. But essentially, we're in the same place, just our mindsets are different. Where does he get that from? Well, he gets it from the parable in Luke 16 of the prodigal son. When the prodigal son returned home, he received his father's love. And so the father threw him a great banquet. And so the younger son was having a banquet, a joyous occasion. Now the older son who had rejected his father's love and was jealous that his father was expressing such thankfulness and love to the younger son who squandered everything, he was also at the same party. But for the older brother, that was hell. He was miserable. And until he would embrace his father's love, it was just going to be a miserable time for him. Both guys are at the party, yet for one, it's hell. For one, it's heaven. And that's what Rob Bell is saying. He's saying that we all go to the same place. Those who have received Christ are in heaven. Those who haven't are in hell. But eventually, God's love is going to keep working on those who have not received him. And eventually, when they receive Christ, what was once hell now becomes heaven. And he says here, uh, when he's explaining this passage, he says, you know, it's, it's our choice. He says here, we're all at the party, but we don't have to join in. Heaven or hell, both are at the party. Speaking of the younger and older brother, both are at the same party. For one, it's heaven. For one, it's hell. And until those in hell change their mind about God, they're going to remain there. And But once they respond to God's love, then what was once heaven becomes hell. And that's what Rob Bell says is happening in eternity. We're at the same place. Those who've received Christ, that's heaven. Those who haven't, that's hell. And when those in hell respond to God's love, then what was once hell now becomes heaven. Well, Pat, that is not a very scholarly interpretation of that parable. Yeah, Kevin, you know, I don't, I don't know any New Testament scholar that interprets that as a doctrine on heaven and hell. I really think he's stretching the interpretation there. And if you look at the context, you know, what was going on there? The Pharisees and teachers of the law were criticizing Jesus, who was hanging out with what they called, you know, sinners and tax collectors. And that's when Jesus started telling these particular parables. And he was really focusing on the teachers and the Pharisees who were the older brother. You know, God's heart is for the lost, all the lost. 
elect and those who are, quote, sinners and tax collectors know that they are sinful people and willing to receive God's love, whereas the self-righteous and prideful ones, you know, were not willing to acknowledge their sin and repent and turn to Jesus Christ. And that's what the parable is all about. I think it's really stretching it to say, to build a doctrine of heaven and hell as Rob Bell has done on this particular parable. What are some other key biblical doctrines that you think he's altered? One of the classic mistakes he has made is he's altered our doctrine of God or the character of God. You know, one of the things Bell focuses on is that God is love. God loves everyone. God would not want anyone to spend eternity separated from him. And therefore, since God is love, he would not send anyone to eternal torment. His love would extend to everyone, even those who do not believe in him. And it'll keep working upon their hearts until they turn to him. And so by focusing exclusively on God's love and negating the other attributes of God, you get a very imbalanced view of God. You know, love is one of the many attributes of God. And when you just focus on one to the neglect of the others, then you get a very imbalanced view of God. And that's what's happening here. So in focusing on God's love, you forget that God is also holy. God is truth. God is righteousness. And you forget those many other aspects of God that all exist in the character of God in perfect balance. And so, yes, not only is God love, but he is also just and he is holy. So God must also be loving and reach out to lost people to bring them unto himself. But God is also just and holy and must deal in a righteous and just way with sin and those who have rejected the gracious gift of Jesus Christ. Their sin has not been dealt with and therefore cannot enter into the presence of a holy God. And so in focusing exclusively on the love of God, you end up with an imbalanced view of God. And on the justice of God, apparently, as well. Right. And also, you know, the the nature and the devastating consequences of sin are also neglected. That's one of the you know, mistakes we can make as Christians when we just focus on one character quality of God and neglect the others, you get a very imbalanced view of God and that can lead to uh, false teachings in different areas of theology. Pat, I guess we should look at his core view because whatever our view is, whatever one's view is, we have a tendency to interpret scripture or anything else in light of that core view that we have. And his seems to be that God is too loving to let anyone languish forever in hell. Right, Kevin, you know, you bring up a good point. Now, God is love, and he extends the offer to salvation to everyone, and he has gone out of his way to make salvation possible for everyone. But also remember, in a love relationship, you cannot force someone to love you. You know, and God does not do that. He does not force himself upon those who do not want to receive him. So in his love, he honors the choice of men and women. And those who reject him, don't want to be with him in this life, won't want to be with him for all eternity. And those who don't want Christ now to be forever in heaven with him, that that would be hell for them. So he honors their choice and deals with sin righteously and justly and sends them to a place the Bible calls hell, which is 
separation from God or quarantine from God forever. And so God fulfills his love and that he's given all men the choice and honors their choice. And he fulfills his justice and his holiness, dealing rightfully with sin, quarantining sin and people who've not received his offer of grace in a place called hell, quarantined and separated from him. And so God fulfills his love and his holiness. So in the end, God wins. You know, more than love wins, God wins because he fulfills his standard of love and his standard of holiness and justice. And, you know, you brought up a few passages here and one of the key passages for not only Rob Bell, but many universalists is, is that one you brought up, Colossians chapter 1, verse 20, where it states that, that and through him, through Jesus, uh, he reconciled all things to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Now, the way Rob Bell interprets this, then, is this way. He says, therefore, everyone is reconciled to God, whether you receive Christ now or not. We are all reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. The word reconciled there means have a right standing. We all have a right standing before God now. It's just some people receive Jesus Christ and some don't. But we all end up in the same place in eternity, and those who haven't received Christ, the love of God will continue to work on them until they finally respond to God's love, and then what was once hell now becomes heaven. But in a sense, we're all reconciled to God. And I believe that's a great misunderstanding of that passage there, that that's not teaching a universal reconciliation, that everyone is reconciled to God. What that passage is teaching there is the scope of the work of the cross, of the reconciliation work of cross that uh, of Christ that was accomplished there on the cross. When Christ died upon the cross, he conquered sin and death. And that had effect not only on mankind, but on all of creation. That's what that passage is talking about. In Romans 8, 20 through 22, Paul talks about the effect that sin had upon creation. And he says, For creation was subject to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. So the physical world was affected by sin, according to this Romans passage, not by its own choice, but by the choice of Adam. And Christ's victory over sin on the cross restored the order of creation by bringing it again under his lordship. And the full restoration is going to occur in the future, and Christ is moving us in that direction. Now, as Paul states in Romans, nature did not have a choice, right? But angels and human beings, unlike the material world, have a choice. And reconciliation in the Bible involves two parties. Each party must voluntarily decide to make peace. So in this case, fallen angels knowingly rebelled against Christ and remain in a state of rebellion and refuse to repent, so reconciliation is not possible. But humans also must make a choice to receive God's invitation through Christ or to reject it. And, and this is made clear in the verses that follow. Uh, verses 21 through 23 says, And you were once alienated and hostile in mind, 
doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. And he puts the condition here, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you have heard. And so Paul is saying here, reconciliation depends upon you responding to the gospel. And so that's the condition upon which people are saved. So you got to read the whole context of that passage there. Well, Pat, we are out of time, but we want to pick it up next time and continue talking about Rob Bell's new book and his view of hell, that hell is not forever. And we'll continue with that and take a look at how Rob Bell interprets certain key scriptures on this text. In the meantime, what's going on with evidenceandanswers.org? Well, Kevin, you can find this full interview there and also an article on Evidence and Answers on critiquing Rob Bell and the book Love Wins, along with other articles on pluralism and universalism, other messages that I have presented on this, over a hundred of our past interviews on there, as well as articles and other great resources for you. So it's a great resource for not only Christians, but those seekers who are seeing, is there credible evidence for Christianity? Is there enough reason upon which I can believe in Jesus Christ? And Pat, if there's anyone who wants to become more involved with Evidence and Answers, there's a place right there on the website, evidenceandanswers.org, where you can make a financial gift. Sure, Kevin. You know, we're supported by people's financial giving. We're supported by the body of Christ. So if you'd like to be a partner in this ministry that proclaims the gospel, by presenting the compelling evidence for Christ that defends the gospel. There's a section there in which you can donate and become a partner in the ministry. All right. Thank you, Pat. We'll continue next time on Evidence and Answers with Pat Zucherin as we look at Rob Bell and hell. I'm Kevin Harris. Thank you so much for joining us on Evidence and Answers with Pat Zucherin.